Welcome to Rooted and Reaching, a podcast from the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia in Columbia, Maryland, where we celebrate the beauty of our diversity. In our conversations here, we share stories of our journeys and explore ideas that challenge us in order to nurture the interdependent web of which we are all a part. We are rooted in faith, reaching for community. In this second episode with Reverend Anthony, we'll dig into what his wife Sarah and kids Tobias and Genevieve are up to and how Anthony developed and found his spiritual voice at UUCC and finds spiritual fulfillment in his current work. We'll also check in about what music he's feeling connected to these days and his love of NPR. So Anthony, what's your Myers-Briggs personality type? I gotta know. INFP. Yep. And you? INFJ. Okay, nothing wrong with that. You're you're right there. You were really close. (laughs) I always wanted to be an INFP. I just can't. (laughs) I can't shake that J. Sure. The J's that I've known who are super duper hardcore J's, um, I know that structure for them is comforting. Right. And they can they can certainly create inside that, but they need that. Whereas um, I like structure, I can roll in it, but I'm I will tend to um, give space and freedom because that's what I would want. So right. I adapt them when I know somebody needs some more concrete stuff, which any of the we used to always joke about this, you know, when I was there, when I was at UCC and we'd be doing music stuff, you know, um, Tom Benjamin, right? Mm-hmm. He was a very, he was a strong J. He liked to plan, to order. To, he would tell you this. He, lo- he loved to have roadmaps and rehearsals and, and uh, all right, we're going to do this song. So we're going to have exactly this many solos. About, and it would all be like beautifully, nicely worked out. I would be like, hey, I want you to... Uh, find a time emotionally when you were putting a baby down in a crib very gently back away from it slowly you're watching it glow trying to close the door in a way that doesn't wake them but you're also in this beautiful all admirable place play from there let's go yeah i love that that is too loose oh <laughs> for some people like that's too that's not enough concrete right. definitive so it's been good yeah. I need to give you like things to do, Tad. Like I need to give you, I need to pull you out of the ether enough that you have something you can hold on to and not break your brain completely, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to ask you some more of these questions because I feel like I could just talk to you, but I got to, I got to do these people right. I got to stay task <laughs> Honestly, actually, probably the fact that we were talking about it did remind me in the back of my head, like, oh, right. I have to... <laughs> Um, how's your family doing? And Lovely. your kids, obviously, I, I want to hear about your kids. How are they doing? What do you marvel at about what they're doing these days? Um, so many things. So, so Sarah's doing great. Um, she is working on a psych mental health certificate through Hopkins. So she is, um, looking to kind of do some specialty work there, which she's always, she would tell you she's always done, um, unofficially um now she'll sort of get to focus on that lane so she's enjoying that she's doing some telework stuff also around that so her plate is not empty at all but we're we're sort of 
making sure neither one of us has too many balls in the air at once and um, balancing each other that way. And I think doing a pretty good job for the most part. Um, Tobias is three and some change. Our oldest Genevieve is one and some change. Um, how could I do? They, they're like, there used to be um, these cartoons with the, the, the coyote and the roadrunner, right? But not, some of them wouldn't have the roadrunner. They would have a sheepdog. These are Looney Tunes, right? So the the sheepdog and the roadrunner, I'm sorry, the sheepdog and the coyote had opposite jobs. So they would come in, they would both punch the clock and be like, good morning, Ralph. Good morning, Sam. And the sheepdog's job was to just protect the sheep and make sure the coyote didn't get to it. And the coyote's job was to disrupt that and get to the sheep. So the coyote would spend all episode ordering stuff from Acme to try to mess with the sheep. And the sheepdog would spend all episode subverting whatever the coyote was trying to do and they would just they would totally frustrate each other and then they get to the end of the day the whistle would blow they would go to the time clock and punch it like see you tomorrow rob see you tomorrow saying i remember these commercials right that's tobias and genevieve they really everything that tobias does genevieve undoes right like right away everything that he tries to build and he loves to build so he's really into mechanics and trucks and structures and every time he does something he walks away for a second. She goes over and it's bam, wow. you know, and then he builds it again and it's bam. And this, it would not surprise me at all if she, we call this counterintelligence in the military. She was just like, I know how to disrupt everything that you're trying to do. Yeah. You know, um, so we'll be cleaning up sometimes, getting ready for a meal or something. I would just put her in her chair because she will not help at all with the process of actually trying to clean up a room. She is full of fire like full of vital energy full of um song and words and all kinds of stuff for her age she's like just blazing she has no fear of anything they are very different in that way like tobias is very thoughtful very reflective very like well before i go into that let me think about it and observe and analyze and then i'll dip my toe and so genevieve just like goes head first no i mean there's no fear in her I have this with my twins too. The level of no fear is both inspiring and concerning. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm like, oh, wow. I know I wasn't like that as a kid. Right. And they, yeah, natural, like it's innate in both of them. Yeah. So it's and they, beautiful, but it's, also, it is. you know, have we gone to the ER? Yeah. Are we going to go again? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. And they are constantly teaching us about stuff that is unhealed for us or blind spots that we have or things that, just just illuminating for you what is important to you based on what you insist that they do and how you yep. kind of do business as a parent. It's, it's interesting. It's very, um, again, if you are a spiritual person, it is probably the most spiritual work. Yeah. Deeply spiritual work. Right. It's deeply relational and there's just so much all the time, right? Like you're sending energy back and forth between each other, all the, or at least in my case, all the time if they're here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Isn't it fun picking the words to use? <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. Like, how am it I going to frame this for myself and the world? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, there's a there's a there's a part of I can't remember which some service I was a part of at UCC where I was reflecting about them. You know how you it would be easy for you to say. Um, at that point, it was Tobias to say he's destructive, like he's got a natural destructive nature you know and i was like but really he's just trying to connect or figure out how i'm going to react or how sarah's going to react if i put this in the toilet or if i drop this over here you know it's all a big 
lab. I read that somewhere to think about what people characterize as attention-seeking behavior as connection-seeking behavior. Definitely. Watch the mental shift that happens. if you. Mm-hmm. Which I, I don't think is much different for adults. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you tell me about how you've grown since you've left or you've been away from UUCC? Oof. Um, Just a light question like that. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, I can see very clearly now at my time during UUCC, um, literally and probably figuratively and metaphorically, I got very, I became comfortable in my voice there. When I got there, you know, I felt very cool about my voice. And certainly I was singing and playing, doing all kinds of stuff, but like learning how to preach or learning the difference between having a conversation with someone one-to-one and how your voice sounds in a room and how the the lowness of the voice or whatever was hard for some people to hear or figuring out how to pause and space and really learn to use my voice as an instrument yeah um, happened in a major way while i was there and and learning how to stand in my voice in a power and authority way that felt authentic for me and genuine so i there are many times where i have to do that in was the that work that i'm doing now was that an intuitive process for you Definitely. I mean, every uh, pretty much everything is intuitive for me, but um, also there were enough people around me to give me a little right. feedback here, reflection here, feedback here, reflection here to say, hey, here's how we are experiencing your voice. We love it, but we can't hear this or you drop syllables here. Or, I noticed that you do this here. And it was while sometimes it was like it could be irritating in the moment, you know, when I really would reflect about it, it's like, OK, this is helpful. Um, and, and figuring out what my style and what my voice as a leader is. And that that developed a lot in the years at UCC, for sure. Yeah. Um, also, from our comfort place was learning to be comfortable in the moment in terms of like, all right, this is a really huge moment. I am the person for it. I can be the vessel for the thing that is supposed to come through. Let me just stand in it and... Um, deliver without a whole lot of fear or second guessing or kind of self-doubt and that happens to me a lot there for sure and now i can i can brief generals you know colonels commanders and i was doing you know i was doing army chaplain work at the same time for a lot of the time that i was at columbia but developing on both fronts this thing of like now i could be in front of a thousand people and i'm still an introvert you know i'm still not trying to be the center of attention but I'm okay as a center of attention. And I welcome the moment that is hard. I welcome the, we need somebody to make divinity of the suicide that just happened, right. which did just happen, you know? Um, and it was, it was like, everybody else can sort of say some stuff, but this is the chaplain. That's my, that's, that is my charge. Step to you with you at the worst possible moment of your time here and help you make some sense of it, help it be meaningful for you enough that you can carry on. So a comfort in that moment is huge. Right. I heard you. I watched your like farewell or part of it, or maybe just Paige mentioned you describing yourself as a canyon one time. And that's, mm-hmm. it was hard to forget. <laughs> I mean, I didn't forget it because I'm telling you right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and a canyon is not everybody's death. cup of tea, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. But, but as a metaphor. It's depth. <laughs> depth yeah. is skill. Um, and I often will like, describe Sarah as the 
like the river that runs through the canyon, right? Whereas if the, if most people would only need to come to the canyon once, check it out, have their transformational experience, roll, maybe some people would camp out there. Not many people would want to live at a canyon. Almost no people would want to live in a canyon, just coexist with a canyon and it'd be something that feeds them and it feeds it. And so the the additive metaphor is she is probably like the water that runs through that deep sort of cavernous earth. And that's really how we, that's the blend. Yeah. And then it's better to look at when people come to look at the canyon. <laughs> right. <laughs> Big bare dry earth thing. Um, so this is a question from Ken Crandall. What military branch yeah. are you in now and who are you all serving? We kind of have been talking about this, but more specifically so people know. So this is clear as mud. Okay, I'm in the United States Air Force. Yep. I'm on an army base, which is Fort Sam Houston. I'm serving. <laughs> I'm serving a training group um, in a dorm of about a thousand students. It's not basic training. It's what you go to after basic training. Um, all my people are medical people. All of the techs that would take care of you in a hospital, not necessarily the providers, but the techs all come straight here from their basic training. And um, they're all, all Air Force people. Okay. But it's a very non-standard. It is actually, it's probably the Air Force chaplain assignment that is most like an Army chaplain assignment because it's not, it is not chapel based. Normally Air Force chaplains are based out of a, there's probably four or five at a chapel. And usually it's like, hey, if you need us, we're at the chapel, come over here. Okay. My office is in the dorm with most of my students and I'm just embedded, which is far more like army. So I'm Great. I'm around my people. I'm with them all the time. I'm running into them. I'm going to see them. I don't have any chapel responsibilities. So I haven't had to run a regular, I haven't had to run a regular service. So I've, um, I get to do a lot of counseling and a lot of what we call unit engagement. So just going around, seeing people, checking in on them, loving on them, um, do a lot of teaching, a lot of briefing. Most of that is with Air Force people, but I also do a lot for Army and Navy. I, the pharmacy people, for whatever reason, I do a lot of their Army and Navy graduations and um, all that kind of stuff. So it's been beautiful to be in the richness of like every branch is here. I've seen more Coast Guard people in the last year that I saw my entire life. I wrote a thing about, I did an in-between about this once, but I never see the Coast Guard. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, Coast Guard. You know, I see them a lot. Do you like this new job? I love it. Yeah, I mean, it's, I thought uh, it was great, but I was like, we got to find out for sure. <laughs> say this to people a lot. It is the most natural. I could not have a job where I'm doing, where I'm more doing what I'm being naturally. Mm. So I, I'm in the uniform doing exactly what I do outside the uniform. I'm having... I get paid to have the conversations that move me most, which are deep, soulful, gut level, transformational. And I get paid to do that. And that's what I would do anyway. That's what I did in fifth grade, you know, sixth grade. That's who I was as a high school student or a college student or a bass player or a bass drummer or whatever. Now I'm get, I get to do what I am being. And it's like surreal. Yeah. Like I come in, even the stuff that is like boring or that would technically be boring or doesn't have directly to do is interesting to me based on the relationships I'm forming and infusing and cultivating and based on what it means in the grander scheme of who's involved and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's like if I won Powerball tonight and it was $850 bajillion, I would come to work tomorrow and I, there would no, there'd be no part of me <laughs> that would have thought otherwise. Right, right. Every moment of every day for me is like shocking. 
Yeah, that is, I'm going to say that's the dream. Right? Yeah. But I did a lot of inner work. Yeah, you got to do the inner work to get to a place where you could even be able to do that. To get that level of clarity about here's where, here are my purposes. Here's the light that I shine in the world. And then set myself up for, oh, well, here's a place you do that. Right. How has this work and being a chaplain changed your view of the world? Um, I wish everybody could have the experience of sitting with somebody with whom you would disagree completely about some topic. You know, you have somebody come in your office who tells you or who you completely are like, I can't believe you would make that or how you believe that. Have them talk to you about it long enough that you're like, oh, okay, here's what's under it. The person who you think is who you would normally look at and say, oh, this person is a lost cause, or oh, how could they possibly believe her? Oh, this person is blankist or blank whatever. You start talking to them, you're like, okay, so here's, here's what your inner child is struggling with, which I think we don't get, you know, we get our share of stuff wrong in military culture, but it is beautiful to watch people from demographics that they would never run across normally, you know, now they're roommates and, or now they have this mission they have to accomplish together. So they have to talk and they start talking and then they notice they have some weird stuff in common. Like they both like, uh, you know, single malt scotch or they both like rascal flats or machine gun killer or whatever. And then they start hanging out after, after work and playing call of duty or something together. And then their worldview changes and you leave transformed. So you really shape people's hearts and minds in a way that they potentially go home and raise their kids differently. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's super powerful. I know by my presence here, there are plenty of people who will never have a conversation with necessarily, but will see a black officer and say, Oh, that's possible. Yeah. So every time I throw, every time I put the uniform on and step out anywhere, even if I don't speak directly to people, I'm aware that like just my sheer presence is potentially life altering. Yeah. How do you reconcile the seemingly the dichotomy of being a member of the military with being a UCC or sorry, UU chaplain? Yeah. Um, it is probably the most natural fit for a military chaplain to be UU. Everything that exists on the globe is in military culture. So every race, every ethnicity, every class, every nationality, there are plenty of people who are not even from, who are from other countries who are serving to maybe try to earn citizenship. Um, every demographic, every sexual orientation, every theology, everything that you could imagine is right here <laughs> at the same time. And the only people who can serve all of them Right. with no restrictions or prohibitions or anything on that is really us. Yeah. So it is a natural fit in a way that a lot of other chaplains, not all, but a lot of other chaplains have to wrestle with, well, my theology says this, but I'm having this experience of that. I can't marry these people, even though I would like to, because my endorser says I can't. And if I do that, I lose my endorsement and I wouldn't be a chaplain again. So, hey, Jenkins, can you? And I'm like, yeah. And it's not even that I'm tolerating it. I, I've celebrated. Yes. Give them, you know, the thing that's on the Statue of Liberty, you know, they give me your tired. You're poor, you're um, huddled masses yearning to breathe. It's totally how we are. And we're not combatants. It's not like we, we carry weapons. We are with the people who are carrying weapons. We're with the people who are commanding the people carrying weapons, being this kind of progressive prism for them, helping them to make more um, informed moral decisions and ethical decisions and helping like infuse their spirituality that way. So it is more natural than I could describe really it's harder for for example for a, a catholic chaplain i know many great catholic chaplains but it's harder for them there's some stuff they can't do even if they want to right 
there's some people that can't counsel. There's some people that can't marry. There's some stuff that they can't do. And there's some stuff I can't do. I mean, I can't do masks, really. So I gladly return the favor. I can't do um, some rights for my Muslim airmen or some things like that. So I gladly return them. But I, but I also run an interfaith service because right. I can every Sunday. I also run a meditation mindfulness group every Saturday because okay. I can. And I have nothing in my faith that restricts or limits me from doing that. Are any of those publicly available for people or are those, I'm going to guess that they're not. No. <laughs> And even if they were, (laughs) no, (laughs) even if they were available, no, but no, it's all, um, what I'm doing right now is, uh, a lot of my stuff is in the dorm for the students from doing ceremonies or different things that none of that is recorded unless you happen to be in the units. So that isn't, that is a hard no. That makes sense. (laughs) Can we talk about music a little bit? Because we haven't done that yet. What kind of... What kind of music are you into right now? Is there any new music that you've been really into? And I really love this question. What song would best describe your job and or your experience so far in Texas? Oh, let's see. Let's break this down. Uh, so this is interesting. I When I was at Columbia, I was still playing a lot of music. Mm-hmm. So when I'd be in my office or driving, I usually would want to listen to anything but music. I was usually always having to listen to music to learn it, to get ready to do a show or get ready to play. So I found in my spare time, I listened to a lot of sports radio or lots of stuff that probably had nothing to do. So I wasn't really getting into a lot of new music then because I was playing so much of it. Now I'm not, I'm hardly playing anything, but I'm listening to much more in my office because I'm not playing any of it. So I'm, I'm listening to, on the days I'm in the office, four or five hours of Pandora. Yeah. Um, you know, and my, I'm like the kind of person that really works on a Pandora station. So they really know who I am and where I'm at. It's like another super depthful relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't just want you to be playing. Like, I need you to know I like this. I don't like that. That's cool. That's cool. So my Steely Dan station is amazing now. My Esperanza Spalding station is amazing. My Tribe Called Quest station is amazing. Like I, so I'm listening to, well, to stuff, which is not necessarily new music, but is good music that I just hadn't had a chance to really take in. In terms of like, am I really in touch with what is happening now in the right now, musically now? Yeah, you know what? When I hear new music, my brain doesn't even think of like, oh, music made this year. My brain yeah. is like just new to me or like, right. I'm working with that right. music right now. Like that music's meaningful to me in this moment or this year or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I'm listening to a lot of NPR. I can say that more than I ever have listened to. In my life, over the last year, I've never, I've never listened to NPR that much. And again, this is from having lived in mostly blue areas. I think I just was like, well, everybody's talking about this anyway, whatever. You know, here, it's been like this oasis in the desert. (laughs) If you went up and down a dial, it is all like, you know, like hard, just red, right, super concerned. And I try to listen to a little bit of everything so that I, stay balanced but the but npr is what is my center of gravity really yeah which is not musical but is like has been music to my ears for sure for the last like years <laughs> it has kept me um sane sometimes is there a song that that resonates with you and describes your experience that's going to be tough right like i feel like you would need a little bit of like 15 minutes to really think well <laughs> so Probably in your eyes, the Peter Gabriel song. Yeah. Um, for for many reasons, but for the um, 
I come back to the place you are, all my instincts return, the grand facade so soon will burn, right? Without a noise, without a pride, I reach out from the inside. Resolution of a thousand fruitless searches, you know, doorway of a thousand churches, all that kind of stuff is like, definitely my, I've had that flow through me sometimes for trying to describe my daily experience. So I would say definitely yeah. in your eyes, for sure. Um, and instincts return in terms of like, uh, this is who I am. So I'm, again, I'm, I'm getting to do what I'm being, but also one of the more interesting epiphanies of the last year or so, I think I was talking to Paige about this and I'll probably write more depthfully about this, but I, I grew up Air Force. My dad's Air Force. And I always assumed that's, that's the branch for me. Like as soon as I go active duty, I'm gonna, that's where I'm going, doing that, you know, makes the most sense. I grew up as that'll be this beautiful, like, um, hallmark kind of return to the thing like and it and it really it was you know in theory and i've gotten a great experience of air force culture and vibe and life and also <laughs> also coming to this place of crystal clarity that like i'm actually a soldier and didn't know that really didn't know it while i was a soldier for 10 years did yeah. not really get how much the army like i grew up in an air force family but the army raised me right you know, like the army philosophy, doctrine, um, ethos, vibe, flow, like the way the army does business, really. Like, I did not know how much of an army person I was. Right. <laughs> until I got around a bunch of Air Force people and was like, oh, this is my dad, but this is not me. Yeah. And I have a great appreciation for the mission and the blah, 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 the Air Force, but it's like, it's not. Like, the army is like having a dog, right? The Air Force is like having a cat. Okay. Nothing wrong with cats, right? Nothing wrong with them. Like much love, respect for cats. But I'm a dog person. Right. For me, they give you more. So all the stuff that I that is dog stuff that I thought I would miss about the army, I thought I wouldn't miss. Like I couldn't wait to stop doing Pete. Oh. Ah, I it I've never had that happen before. It said the uh temperature too high. Oh um, you have to I cool down. <laughs> Probably time. Yeah, it's time. Probably time. <laughs> so Anthony's phone cut out there at the end. But don't worry, he came back and we'll have one final episode with him available next week. Anthony will speak to the relational loss of two close friends and how the experiences have shaped him. We'll also talk about the riot at the Capitol on January 6th and how the tension of what happened dovetails with his work. 